Hello and welcome back to the Bank on Dividends podcast. My name is Banky and as always I will be your guide into the wonderful world of dividend investing. It is so good to be back. Last week I was ill so this episode did not make it out. I did do my best to try and get it out but it just wasn't happening. I sounded terrible so Thank you for your patience, but we are back this week and we are back better than ever. In the last two weeks, the markets have suffered. They have been down quite a lot. But remember, no matter what's happening in the markets, you can always bank on dividends. Welcome back. So let's jump straight in. We are doing a stock analysis on the pharmaceutical giant that is GlaxoSmithKline. Like many other leaders of industry, this company was actually formed via mergers and acquisitions back in 2000. So just around 21 years ago. So it's not the oldest company in the world. But the merger was actually of two main companies, GlaxoWellcom and SmithKline Beecham, obviously they merged to form GlaxoSmithKline and the resulting company has grown to be the sixth biggest pharmaceutical company in the world. Give you guys a little bit of insight into this company but before we do that because it is a stock analysis episode we need to get the disclaimer out of the way for those out there who don't do their own research so bear with me let's get the disclaimer out of the way and then we can crack on. The following is a disclaimer. The views expressed in this podcast are meant solely for inspiration and entertainment purposes. Nothing stated in this podcast should be considered financial, economic, legal, accounting or tax advice. Dividends are never guaranteed. This recording does not address all risk. No comments made in this podcast should be considered as an endorsement for any investment or investment strategy. This recording should not be considered as a solicitation to sell buy or subscribe to any financial instrument or product, securities or any derivative. All data used is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it was first published and is presented on an as-is basis and is subject to change without notice. Listeners should seek their own financial tax and legal advice regarding the appropriateness or otherwise of investing in any investment and pursuing any investment strategies. Any decisions made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not to be influenced by any views expressed in this podcast. You will solely bear the responsibility for any investments you make and the liability of any losses from the use of all information provided. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about something that people don't usually talk about. And it's actually about the CEO. And it sounds strange, yes, I know, but people don't talk about the CEO or the board of directors when they're doing a stock analysis. And because GlaxoSmithKline are one of the few companies that have a female CEO, and not just for the sake of having one, they actually have a CEO that knows what she is doing. The CEO of GlaxoSmithKline is uh, Emma Wonsley, and it's actually Dame Emma Wonsley, so she's been... uh, I guess, knighted by the queen or honoured by the queen or made a lady or whatever, or made a dame. Um, So that's great. But 
like I said, she's been the CEO since 2017. She took over from Andrew Whitty when he retired. But before that, she actually worked at L'Oreal for 17 years. And she was also a non-executive director of Diageo up until September 2016. You can see from her background that she actually knows how to run a company like GlaxoSmithKline. And more importantly, I don't know if this is important for everyone, but for me, she is British. She grew up in Cumbria, and that helps to be at the helm of a British company. GlaxoSmithKline is headquartered in London, and it is, you know, one of the major names on the London Stock Exchange. So that helps a little bit for me anyway. Yes, we don't often talk about it, but it is good to know that someone who is actually running the company has the qualifications, knows what they're doing, because often you do get CEOs who, you know, just bounce around from major company to major company every couple of years and aren't necessarily best placed to run such a company. But with GlaxoSmithKline, we can tick that box off. The management look good. All right, guys, let's dive straight into the numbers. So as of the close of the 26th, GlaxoSmithKline ended trading at 15 pounds and 10p on friday the current market cap is 76.02 billion their five-year monthly beta is 0.4 so very very low beta there the earnings per share for the trading 12 months 85.3 and their next earning date will be the 9th of february 2022 they actually have a forward dividend of 0.8 or 80p which gives them a yield of 5.3%. Looking at the data, we see that in Q4 of 2020, they just fell short of, of their earnings per share estimate. But in Q1, Q2, and Q3 of this year, they smashed their earnings per share estimates out of the water, which was amazing. We're still waiting for Q4. And we can see since 2017, when Dane Emma actually took over, their earnings and their revenue has continued to grow quite handsomely. They are recommended as a very strong buy right now. The 52-week low is actually £13.50p and the 52-week high is £20.75p and right now that would give them an average price of £16.40p. So currently trading at 15 pounds and 10p as of friday the 26th would mean that they are slightly below the av their average price which would suggest given the markets being down if you wanted to snap up a couple shares of GlaxoSmithKline it might not be such a bad idea now i'm aware that lots of listeners of the podcast may not be aware of GlaxoSmithKline Let's say, for example, you're in the US or you're in France or you're somewhere out there in APAC or in Africa, then you probably only know the local ones, right? So GlaxoSmithKline and their subsidiaries are a major manufacturer of vaccines and over-the-counter medicines. They're based primarily in the UK and the US, but they do operate internationally. So if you've taken any cold or flu medicine like I have, and it's not produced by Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson, it's very likely produced by GlaxoSmithKline, especially if you live in the Western world. The company 
offers pharmaceutical products comprising of medicines and therapeutics in areas such as respiratory, HIV, immunoinflammatory, antiviral, central nervous systems, and cardiovascular, and so many other things. Literally, if there's an illness out there, you can be sure that GlaxoSmithKline have at least one or two products for them. I can't even read out the full list of things that they do. So they are well diversified and they have a lot of subsidiaries. They currently employ just under 95,000 people globally. And like I said, they're headquartered in the UK in London. Another thing I will say about GlaxoSmithKline is that they definitely know where they are going in terms of direction. If you go into the GlaxoSmithKline website and you go into the investor tab and specifically the new Glaxo or the new GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, and you read up about their plans of what they have, you can see they have a very clear plan for the next 10 years of 33 of sales of 33 billion by the end of 20. 31. So the next 10 years, they are planning to average a 5% sales CAGA between 2021 and 2026. And they plan to grow that. Their main engine is actually vaccines and specialty medicines. But like I said, always check out the company website and see what they say. Bear in mind, the company's website will give you the best case scenario. They will tell you all the good and none of the bad. Then Occasionally, if you do read the financial statements, they will tell you the challenges that the company highlight themselves that they're going to face and what they plan to do that. And I know not everyone reads financial statements, but I was ill the last week, so I had a lot of time to do a lot of reading. And I can say, GSK, they have a plan. And unlike most companies, I feel like they can actually achieve it, you know, sustainably. I don't think GSK is one of the the pharmaceuticals that are only making money because of rising prices. And that is quite key. In some cases, it probably makes them an outlier in their industry. Now, I want to talk briefly about the dividend. Okay, GlaxoSmithKline, because it's based in the UK, it is a typically quarterly paying dividend stock, right? So the last dividend was paid in... October. The next dividend is going to be paid in January 2022. And the dividend is only 19p per share. Given that one share is going to set you back the best part of 15, 16 pounds, you know, 19p isn't a great yield, but it is 5.4%, which is actually very, very healthy for a growing company. And if you believe in the company, you will be happy with a 5% yield. I don't know any UK bank account that's going to give you a 5% yield right now. So, you know, dividend stocks are still the way forward. What I will say is that the dividend cover is only 1.4. And if you don't know what dividend cover is, it means how many times can the income of the company cover that company's dividend? And 1.4 isn't necessarily bad, but the reason it's worth noting is that GlaxoSmithKline have not actually increased their dividends since 2014. So that means they've gone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 2021 will make 8. 8 years 
keeping their dividend at ATP. Now, this is not uncommon for pharmaceutical companies outside of the US because they do spend a lot in research and development, you know, getting new drugs to the market, getting new medicines to the market. But as a dividend investor, that is something that I am concerned about. I like my dividends to be growing, you know, and it seems like even before Dame Emma came on board, the dividends were not stagnant, but they weren't growing the way most of us would like. And this is the problem with mature dividend-paying companies, right? Their dividends don't grow as quickly. Um, so yeah, the dividend, the annual dividend has been stuck at ATP since 2014. So that is something you do want to think about. Other than that, I will say with a dividend cover of 1.4 and a yield of 5.4%, it is a very safe dividend, right? It's not the safest out there, but it is a very safe dividend, especially in the pharmaceutical world. So bear that in mind for a quarterly paying dividend stock. With companies like GlaxoSmithKline, you cannot avoid talking about its peers and its competitors in the industry. Pharmaceuticals is not new and it's not going away. I've said it already, GlaxoSmithKline is around the sixth biggest name in the world, excluding some of the big Chinese pharmaceuticals that we don't really have a lot of information on. But looking at the competitors, there is China Resource, there's Johnson & Johnson, there's Roche, there's Novartis, there's Pfizer, there's Bayer, there's Merrick, there's Sananfo. Yeah, there's Merrick. So there are a lot of other big names in the game. And this, to me, sometimes is worrying. But when you do look at it, Klaxosmith's clients' market cap and revenue and their enterprise value actually holds up very, very well compared to other companies. And this is because they do put just as much money into their re research and development as all of their peers. So the main thing to note from the peer analysis is actually that they are right there in the mix. They're not falling behind on any metric, which is good to know. Um, and they never have actually, which is also quite good. So again, with big industries, you do want to see that if you are invested in a specific name like GlaxoSmithKline, you want to compare it to at least Pfizer and the other ones which are of its size in the industry and make sure that it's not underperforming significantly or there's no trends of underperformance because those trends will tend to be exacerbated over time. Now, another thing that I like to look at is how many of the shares of a company like GlaxoSmithKline are actually held by insiders, i.e. the CEO and the other executives, right? And some higher company members. And for GlaxoSmithKline, that's around 1.2%. I couldn't actually see if that was increasing or not, but I was comfortable with around 1.2%, 1.22% of the shares actually being owned by insiders, which I felt was very good. And I actually have seen a lot of insiders have been buying in August and September of 2021. So the insiders in GlaxoSmithKline do believe in the company. Interestingly enough, the next 52%
almost 53% actually of the shares in GlaxoSmithKline are held by institutions, which is just phenomenal. Over half of the company is held by big hedge funds, big asset managers. Um, and I'm looking at the list of all of them. I'm seeing quite a few big asset managers here that I am aware of. I'm not going to read them all out because I want you to go and, and find this information out for yourself. But if you don't know where to look, you can literally just go Yahoo Finance, put in the ticker GSK, but also make sure you put .l if you're looking for the London listing because there is a US listing as well. And literally just go to holders and you should see who all the top holders are. This company is very, very heavily controlled by the big boys. As an individual investor, you know that your money is safe if the big guys, the big hedge funds, the big asset managers are also putting a lot of their money in this company. So for my closing points, usually I would like to rattle through the numbers. I didn't really get to talk about the debt, the leverage, the valuation like I would have liked to. And I was very tempted just to end this episode with just a bunch more numbers for you. But GlaxoSmithKline, it's a complex company. You really have to take time to understand the numbers behind the company. I dare say normalize some of the financial statements better than what you find on Yahoo or Seeking Alpha to really get a good understanding. So unfortunately, you will have to go and read financial statements. What I would like to end the episode on is actually talking about the news about the company. I'm not sure how many people pay attention to the headlines around the stocks that they own, but GlaxoSmithKline, unlike many other pharmaceutical companies, are actually having a little bit of positive buzz around them right now. They are doing a lot of good things. They're about to go into human trials for a possible cure for HIV, which is going to be, you know, amazing breakthrough. Yeah, they're really reaping the rewards. Every article I read about them, or almost every article, is really pushing the way they have made strides in their research and their development. And that's a huge success story. I love to see things like this. Whether all of the drugs will make it through to commercial use and will actually be priced fairly for people to, to buy is a complete other issue. But check out what is actually being said around the company. What is the general atmosphere um, and the vibe that people have towards the company? And you find that it's relatively positive, And that is also a good sign. You know, when a company has a lot of bad press, you will find that the share price will reduce. And that's a temporary shock, shock to the system, right? Share prices will always recover. And sometimes when the share price falls, it's a good time to buy in and ignore the bad news. But when it is persistent out there, the consumer psyche gets affected and people actually start to withdraw or move away from that company's products. So that could actually hamper sales and trust in the company. So a company, especially a pharmaceutical company, having the trust of the public that they sell their products to is actually very, very important. So yeah, there's a lot of good news 
around GlaxoSmithKline. They're doing lots of great work and they're actually innovating and winning awards for a lot of the work that they do. And if you look at what's happening in terms of the charitable side, GlaxoSmithKline are one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies that actually give a lot of products and a lot of drugs free to the developing world. So they're really doing great stuff out there. It's a company I believe in and I hate pharmaceutical companies. So I've really had, you know, an, a mind-changing epiphany when it comes to to these kind of companies. Um, and GlaxoSmithKline is a very good one. So a quick note, next week's episode is a special episode. It's called Confessions of a Dividend Investor. I highly encourage you to listen to that episode and listen to it twice if you know anyone else who is about to start dividend investing. Make sure that you share that episode with them, especially because in that episode, I'm going to be telling you all about my experience so far, the mistakes I've made, why I'm starting all over again in the new year. Hey there again, my name is Banky. Thank you for listening to the Bank on Dividends podcast. If you like what you heard in this podcast and if you like the series, please leave a review, share and subscribe. I really appreciate hearing all your feedback and seeing the podcast grow. Why not follow us on Instagram and Twitter and continue your investing journey on all the different platforms to make your investing journey better. And remember, no matter what's happening in the markets, you can always bank on dividends.